This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It's biking season, but be careful on those roads. So far this year, three cyclists have died after being struck by a car. And the Chicago Metropolitan Planning Agency has reported a 25% jump in serious injuries to cyclists and pedestrians from 2020 to 2021. Now, we asked you about your experience biking in this city. Here's advice from Andy in Edgewater. On the north side, stay off of Ashland. It's too crowded and dangerous. And just east of there is Greenview, which is a beautiful street. Nice and quiet and wide with stop signs. Perfect for bikers. But please stay off Ashland. It's not safe. So why are some streets more dangerous for bikers than others? And what changes can be made to make the roads safer for cyclists? Here to dig into the city's biking infrastructure is Jim Merrill, Advocacy Director at Active Transportation Alliance. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Sasha. Also with us is Izzy Strubund, a freelance journalist who has been reporting on biking in the city for Block Club Chicago. Welcome, Izzy. Hi there. (laughs) Jim, we've seen this increase in, in cycling deaths since the pandemic began. What is causing the uptick? You know, um, in Chicago and across the country, actually, we've been seeing a similar pattern. Um, and unfortunately, it's a, it's a pretty well, well-known story. Um, our roadways are really designed to move cars as quickly as possible um, and aren't really built with uh, safety first in mind, particularly safety for our most vulnerable roadway users, which are people walking or people riding bikes. So, you know, a lot of Chicago roadways are um, designed um, to allow cars to travel um, well above the posted speed limit. Um, and this can, you know, have uh, tragic and, and sometimes fatal consequences um, if there's a crash with someone riding a bike. Izzy, some cycling advocates have uh, identified DuSable Lakeshore Drive and a stretch mm-hmm. of Milwaukee Avenue in Old Irving Park as some of the most dangerous areas for bikers. What makes them so unsafe? Well, Milwaukee Avenue is an interesting example of, you know, an unsafe route because it's actually one of the routes that is, I mean, pretty much on every map that the city's ever released of bike routes in Chicago, it's identified as a spoke route, which is, you know, uh, something that they're promoting as a way for people to get, you know, directly downtown. And so it makes sense that they've installed this infrastructure there. It makes sense that, um, you know, people use that route very often Mm -hmm. to get, you know, places they need to go. But um, the problem is that cars are, you know, a lot of times it, there are circumstances in which I, I see how a driver might be misunderstanding the lane markings. I myself once was walking on Milwaukee Avenue and saw nine cars in a row parked in the bike lane directly next to open parking spots. Oh, wow. So it was just, yeah, an example of a situation in which, you know, the infrastructure itself might have not been extremely clear to somebody who is not a local or somebody who maybe hasn't, you know, been in that area. Mm-hmm. And then by being unclear, it's, you know, systematically putting cyclists who are using that spoke route in danger because they're having to weave in and out of the, you know, their protected lane. And then in addition to that, on streets that there are protected lanes, there's somewhat of this understanding on the side of drivers that because there's this protected lane, cyclists should be nowhere in the street. And so when you're having to exit the lane because there's cars in the bike lane and you're going into the street, then, you know, more often than not, there's a lot of like hostile interactions or very close passes Mm -hmm. with cars who are frustrated that there's a cyclist biking 
in the, you know, in the lane that they view as their own directly next to a bike lane. But, you know, this happens often on like the Clark Street bike lane um, where there'll be lines of cars backed up and it's just not really a feasible route for somebody to just entirely stay in that lane. So it kind of, you know, also perpetuates this somewhat of a confrontation between cyclists and drivers too. So it's, it's difficult with infrastructure. Um, yeah, well, let, like let's, let's keep talking about biking infrastructure. The, the city's promised to make improvements, Izzy. So what are some of, uh, some of those improvements? I know you talked about flexi well, posts. Yeah, um, on Clark Street, for example, because they do have the flexi posts already, um, and drivers are either running them over or weaving between them or somehow getting into the lane without them, um, the alderman in that area, Alderman Vasquez, has you know, pushed CDOT to install concrete barriers similar to what have been pushed for in Irving Park, you know, after uh, one of the more recent cyclist fatalities. But again, we've been pushing for that and we've been hearing that that's coming for numerous months, pretty much since, you know, last winter. And they've said they've been waiting for good weather. But again, it's, you know, in my opinion, good weather's been here for a while and yeah. we still haven't seen any changes. The uh, flexi posts on uh, DuSable Lakeshore Drive, have they helped at all? Well, that's actually an interesting point because since those have been installed, numerous people have gone to the intersection just because it's been something that's so popular in the conversation in Chicago right now and have videotaped even just having stood there for just a few minutes and are able to videotape numerous drivers somewhat carefully navigating around the flexi post to still commit these traffic violations Mm. that have proven fatal more than once. Jim, what do you think? Are these improvements enough? What would you like to see done? I think, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're, you know, getting to really what we think is the heart of, uh, of the conversation around infrastructure, which is we need to have, you know, bike lanes, um, that are truly protected. And that, you know, really means having robust infrastructure like concrete curbs, um, that really prevent cars from entering and obstructing bike lanes. Um, you know, the, the plastic bollards uh, we're talking about, that's a really good way to kind of to uh, get a kind of a foothold, so to speak, um, in redesigning the roadway. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen over the long term, I think now, you know, the city's been building protected bike lanes for over 10 years now. And I think we've seen, um, you know, the real transformation happens when we um, really double down on uh, the, the protection through um, those upgrades with concrete curves. And so that's why we're, you know, we're calling on um, aldermen in the city to work together to really build a, a connected network of these concrete curb protected bike lanes, yeah. um, particularly along these key spoke routes that we know have been um, identified already. And, and, you know, really want to encourage folks to join us in that, yeah. um, in that call to action at activetrans.org slash PBL um, to send a letter to their alderman. Yeah, well, the, the uh, protected bike lanes, they are coming to that particularly dangerous stretch of Milwaukee that we just talked about. Jim, the alderman there said that uh, the lanes will have the concrete curves you talked about. So it sounds like you believe that that is a model for what bike lanes should look like. Protected lanes with concrete curves. On our, yeah, on our busy, you know, arterial roadways like Milwaukee, where you're going to have um, a lot of traffic, uh, you have to have this, this physical separation um, that it's going to prevent cars from entering the bike lane and provide the safe and comfortable experience that we know is really necessary to encourage people of all ages and abilities to enjoy uh, biking as an everyday transportation option. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about biking infrastructure in the city with Jim Merrill, who's Advocacy Director at Active Transportation Alliance. Also, Izzy Strubent, who's a Chicago-based freelance journalist. Izzy, how does Chicago compare to other big cities? I'm thinking New York, where biking is super popular. 
more dangerous, mm-hmm. less it's, dangerous? It's difficult to compare different cities, especially like Chicago and New York, because they're just inherently different places. But you know, and culture, I think, plays a lot into how you know these crashes happen. You know, car culture and the way people view their right to the road. Um, and I would presume that New York is worse, just because the traffic and driving there seems insanely difficult. Yeah. navigate but i do know that you know it's it's different in every city and certain cities like i'm from seattle originally mm-hmm. and in that city i know a lot of the cyclists use trails designated for cyclists across you know to get across the city and by nature of them being on a separate route they are safer but then again in that same city the soto area which is you know primarily industrial or used as a corridor for people to get from one end to the other that's where a significant amount of the like uh, of the crashes do happen, which is kind of you know something that we see in every single city that the areas that have the least amount of safety infrastructure or have the least amount of street calming measures or you know have the least amount of investment, those tend to be the areas in which people are more often hit and killed. Yeah, well, you know, some people say that the uh, the problem just lies with how American roads are designed. Is there a country that's a model for good cycling infrastructure? You know, I'm not entirely, I guess I'm not an expert on other countries and how they're dealing with it. But one thing I will say that stands out in the way that the United States handles, you know, transportation and cars in particular Mm -hmm. is that the United States National Highway Safety Administration, they've been pressured for years to do what many other countries around the world have done, you know, almost a decade ago and finally require, you know, automakers and car manufacturers to study what happens or like how likely their vehicles are to kill a pedestrian or to kill a cyclist in a collision. Instead, they only look at, you know, regulations or safety standards for the people who are inside their cars, which other countries don't do. Other countries look at, you know, how safe is it if you're in your car and you hit someone by accident? Like what's going to happen to them? Mm-hmm. That's not regulated in the United States. And so our cars, our streets can be designed however poorly or however well they are, but at the end of the day, there are going to be crashes that happen. And until, you know, U.S. car manufacturers begin to understand that they also play a role in this, a significant role, considering the differences in how people survive based on how, you know, quickly the car is going or how big it is. Um, yeah. I think it's important. Jim, do you have any thoughts on this? How we stack up? Yeah, I mean, the, the um, uh, in terms of like the car design issue and our our you know our nation's penchant for large SUVs, um, that's totally right on. In terms of why are we seeing why is the U.S. such an outlier? Um, in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, I think that's a really key piece in addition to the roadway design. Um, but in terms of like how do we stack up, you know, internationally or like where do we look to? I, you know, I look at cities like Bogota, uh, Colombia. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a large city um, that's been able to, to build out a, a pretty extensive uh, network of off-street paths and on-street um, bike lanes, mm-hmm. um, you know, despite facing, you know, many of the same challenges in terms of, you know, access to um, uh, capital resources or having to, you know, um, jockey for, for uh, scarce street space with uh, a lot of traffic and, and uh, you know, driving culture. So, um, I think there are lots of models that we could be looking yeah. to, but what we've seen is really it's like these these two things, right? It's it's having that um, safe and comfortable place to to ride your bike, and then having those facilities uh, connect to the places you want to go. Um, and and, and Jim, you know, we we talked about we talked about New York. Sorry, we talked about New York earlier. Um, just to kind of to uh, 
close with that. I think one of the things we see in difference with New York is, is kind of on the policy and, and planning level, where there's a lot more um, of a, an ambitious vision for this kind of connected and protected bike network um, in terms of, you know, a citywide uh, making sure that, you know, whatever your, wherever your trip starts and wherever you are going, you're going to be able to have yeah. um, the lowest stress experience possible. Um, and I think that's what we're really hoping to see Chicago kind of take the next step towards the bigger citywide vision. Yeah. Well, as I'm listening to you talk, Jim, I wonder where education for motorists comes in. Like, do you think there should be more informed training for drivers on, on how to share the road with cyclists? Um, well, absolutely. You know, I think um, education is is always uh, an important uh, element of of our overall kind of safety strategy. And actually, one place this is really timely conversation is in the Secretary of State um, race that's happening right now on our state level. Uh, as you know, the you know the Secretary of State um, manages the um, motor vehicle department and the related kind of curriculum and testing. Um, which is a place where we we know all drivers need to go <laughs> sooner or later. Yeah. Um, so having you know stronger, robust uh, messages there um, is a really um, kind of key thing that we're actually focused on over the next few months. Um, another great uh, another great resource um, that's free and available to anyone is Ride Illinois Bike Safety Quiz. So that's good even if you're um, not a, not a person who rides a bike, but understanding how you know how to drive and operate um, safely near bikes. The Bike Safety Quiz by Ride Illinois is a, is a really great uh, educational resource. Izzy, uh, last month you were at the annual Ride of Silence in Chicago that was honoring those that have been killed or injured while riding. What did you hear from the cyclist community? Um, people are just exhausted of having to ask for the same things over and over again, year after year. People are tired of, you know, people who have decided to get rid of their cars and have cycling be their main, you know, mode of transportation are tired of every single time they try to go somewhere nearly getting killed. I myself am tired of that too. And it's like just really frustrating. I think for, especially in Chicago where the cycling community is and the street safety community in general is so, you know, like active and, you know, for like MBAC, the mayor's bicycle advisory council meetings to have been just altogether like canceled, ended. And then for the only response to be on April fool's day of this year, it's kind of just one of those things where I think people in Chicago are just like the activists are doing everything they possibly can to show that this is a problem, to show that their lives are systematically being threatened every single day. And yet there's, hardly ever substantial changes made or, you know, it's just ridiculous how many times the city has to replace these plastic bollards that they have installed lining bike lanes as a safety precaution because it's like there's this cognitive dissonance almost in recognizing that like those same bollards that they're talking about cars running over so easily and needing to be replaced are the bollards that they're saying provide protection from cars in the bike lane. So it's just like, I think people who are cyclists understand the issues fundamentally really well because they're facing them every single day. And it's just really frustrating that with the amount of effort they're putting into bringing attention to it and to, you know, doing things like the, you know, volunteer style traffic study at the Balbo intersection after Gerardo was killed and, Mm -hmm. you know, spending their, like, you know, Christina Whitehouse who runs bike lane uprising, she has an entirely separate job. Like that's not her main job kind of a thing. And so it's like all of these activists who are spending their own personal time, you know, trying to get CDOT to recognize changes. I can scroll through Twitter for maybe two minutes and find 
four or five separate people who've posted graphics wow. they've made suggesting changes, doing CDOT's job for them. And Everyone's yet trying to there's figure no it communication out. and there's no collaboration. And, you know, it leads to problems like bike lanes being installed in neighborhoods like Austin and the residents getting mad about it because they weren't like, they weren't considered in the process. And yeah. that's completely reasonable. Or business owners getting mad because they weren't told, which is completely reasonable. And it just kind of, you know, people are just tired. Izzy Strubent is a Chicago-based freelance journalist, and Jim Merrill is Advocacy Director at Active Transportation Alliance. Thank you both for your time. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.